0: Things I can learn from a mom. Things mom teach us. Mom teaches us about, mothers teach us about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. <laughs> Has anybody ever heard that before? Moms teach us about, mothers teach us about logic. If you fall out of that tree and break your neck, don't come crying to me. Mothers teach us about maturity. Eat your vegetables or you'll never grow up. That's why some of us are still kids. Oh, never mind go. Mothers teach us about religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> Mothers teach us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'll knock you into the middle of next week. Mothers teach us about contradictions. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. (laughs) Mothers teach us about contortionism. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? (laughs) Mothers teach us about perseverance. You are going to sit there until you eat every last piece of that broccoli. Mothers teach us about genetics. You're just like your father. (laughs) Mothers teach us about weather. It looks like a tornado swept through your room. And mothers teach us about the cycle of life. I wish I had a dime every time I heard this one. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. (laughs) Moms teach us a lot of things. You know, we do depend on our mothers to teach us a great deal. And you know... Fathers are responsible, but we'll get to the fathers in six weeks, so ladies, just hang on, all right? Mothers uh, uh, teach us a great deal because they spend so much time with us. In fact, I suspect, I was looking for the clip, and I was going to show it, but 20-odd years ago, Bill Bill Cosby made the big comedic uh, video, Bill Cosby himself, and he talked about how Dad got out in the yard... And he threw the football with this guy, and he taught him how to touch, he taught him how to catch the football. He taught him how to run the football, and so now the boy goes into high school and he running football. footballs. He goes, "That's my boy, that's my boy." And, he, and then finally, he lands a scholarship at a major college, like in Alabama or in Auburn, and and he is uh, uh, excuse me, Charlie in Tennessee and all the rest. I don't leave anybody out. And anyway, he gets to that he gets to his first touchdown. He runs across the goal. He turns around. There's a camera right there, and you're thinking, Dad. I spent all this time, he's going to say something for me, and he goes, hi, Mom. (laughs) On a Saturday note, I did some study um, just to to affirm about how the impact Mom has on all of us and uh, studied uh, um, the tape messages of pilots who were just about to crash. And it's amazing how many of them say, I love you, Mom. Moms are the big number in all of our lives. One way or another, good or bad, moms are the big number. This morning, we've read a story about a mom. The mom of James and John, wife of Zebedee. You don't know it from this passage, but you can find it in other passages. Her name is Salome. She Teaches us for good and bad some things that we need to learn. Now, admittedly, this particular passage of Scripture is often thrown up at her how bad she is. But I think we can learn some things about what she did, about the how to's and the what to's, about our relationship to Jesus, about how we're to live life. If you flip over on the back of your bulletin, I want to talk to you about five lessons, five lessons that we can learn from our mom. The first thing I find here has to do with the approach to Jesus. It says there, the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him. Approached him. Now there are several lessons that we can learn from this. It says she approached him with her sons. The first lesson that we can learn from a mom, particularly this mom, is to bring it all to Jesus. Just to bring it to Jesus. Good, bad, or indifferent. This mother understood that if her boys were going to have the best life had to offer, if they were going to be tied into the very source of life, that they had to come to the source of life. They had to come to Jesus. You know, for years we, we sang that, I think it, James Rowe wrote it, that song that said, If I could only hear my mother pray again. Now, there's nothing magical about a mama's prayer any more than anybody else's except this. It impacts the children. They remember how mom approached the Lord. They remember what she said to the Lord or if she didn't say anything at all. The mom could teach us how to approach Jesus, but I want you to notice another thing about this approach. Watch this. She brought her children with her. She brought her children to Jesus. The amazing thing is these were not kids. These were adults. These were young men. And yet she never ceased to bring them to the very source of life. She approached, and she not only approached by herself, but she approached with the children. Now, in my um, undignified imagination, I can imagine her saying, James, John, follow me. And she walks a little bit and turns around and make sure that they're following her. You know how that, the boys are, don't you, Mom? If you turn your head just a little bit, they're going another direction. Hello? And she brought them all the way to Jesus. You know what? One of the things that we can learn from our moms is that we all need to come to Jesus. We all need to approach Jesus. The second thing that I suggest to you, the second lesson we can learn, is the attitude toward Jesus. The attitude toward Jesus. Isn't it amazing how many children pick up their mom's attitude? And their dad's, but their mom's attitude. We're talking about moms today. Dad will get their time six weeks down the road, Okay. Here's the thing, if mom is an old sourpuss, sees the negative in everything and has a sharp tongue, you know what's quite likely to happen? The kids are going to have a sour attitude. They're going to have a sharp tongue. They're going to see the negative in everything. On the contrary, if mom sees the good things in life, tries to do right, tries to exemplify Jesus, they're going to pick that up. You know why? Because attitude is not taught, it's caught. Whatever attitude a child sees in his home from his parents, he's probably going to stay with him through life unless there is a supernatural, life-changing redirection. You see, moms have a big influence. Now, what did this mom have? Well, the Scripture says that she knelt down to ask him for something. She knelt down. Now, some translations say she bowed down. King James says she came worshiping him with her sons. Do you know what that Greek word means? If I, re- if I remind you, those who are here will remember this. A couple of years ago, I brought a young lady up on the stage as I was illustrating worship, and she stood there, and I got on one knee, and I took her by the hand, and I kissed her hand. You see, that word worship in the Greek is like a dog licking your hand. You know how your little. Mutt, excuse me, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. You know how your little mutt licks your hand and you think it's so cute and wonderful? And you think it's such an act of love and respect? That is exactly the picture of worship to the Father. She came bowing. She came on her knees. She came with respect. She came with reverence. She came with awe. You know what it occurs to me? It occurs to me in our modern day Civilized Baptist church, that this thing of kneeling before God has really been lost. And I fear that instead of bowing our knee to God, we bow our back. Instead of bowing our heads, we stiffen our necks. We don't need to bow down to anybody anymore. Do you know who we are? That's not the question. The question is, do we know who he is? You see, this mom taught from her attitude when she came to Jesus. She didn't strut into his presence. She walked over with her boys and then she knelt down as she worshipped him. We can learn from moms about the proper attitude to have toward Jesus. We can learn from our moms about how to approach Jesus. But the third thing we can learn about this thing called an appeal. This appeal for Jesus. Now, when you think about this appeal she's about to make, she's about to make a request. But watch this. She comes in with the proper attitude. She comes in with the proper approach. And before she can open her mouth, Jesus says, What do you want? What do you wish? What do you desire? What can I do for you? Do you know what we can learn from that right there? That when we approach Jesus in the right place in the right way, here's what happens. He's going to ask us. He's going to talk to us. He wants to know what we want. Now, in his divinity, now make no mistake, in his divinity, our Lord already knows what we want. Hello? The Lord already knows what we want. But we are told to ask him. I've been thinking about this, Brother Terry. You know why I think our Lord has asked us, or has told us, to ask Him, to verbalize it to Him, so we can hear what it sounds like ourselves. How many times have we asked the Lord something, and when He come out of our mouth, and we heard it, we go, "Ooh, I didn't. That's not really what I'm." I, e-. How many's ever wanted to take something back that you said? How many many's ever wanted to take back something you asked for of God? See, that's the very reason that we have to ask. And yet Jesus is saying, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. And it says, promise that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, whether this request is right or wrong, is certainly open for debate. We don't know her motivation. We don't know if she just wanted to make, she thought that everything was was getting kind of out of whack and people were going to be killed and she wanted to make sure her boys were protected. We don't know if she really did want them to lift it above everybody else, or we don't really know whether or not she felt like at her age and her health that she was going to make sure that after she was dead, her boys were taken care of by somebody she could trust. We don't know that. But here's what we do know. When Jesus said, What is it that you wish? What do you ask of me? What do you want? What do you desire? We know this, that she was honest with him. She didn't back off or let up, and she wasn't disrespectful. She poured it out. She didn't try to hide it. She didn't try to occlude it. She didn't try to keep it from him. She just let it out. Promise me that you'll take care of my boys, that they'll sit on your right and left. I wonder how many times we go before the Lord... We really have something on our heart we really want, but we think, man, I can't ask this, so we try to hide it from God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And we're thinking, we're thinking, I just can't say this to him. Well, first of all, he already knows what you really want. But you know what your pastor has discovered? This is what I've discovered. Please listen. I've discovered that when I try to hide something from God, that I am really hiding from myself. I've really discovered that when I try to fool God, I'm really fooling myself. And conversely, when I get open and honest with God, God is now able to be open and honest with me. And he can tell me, oh, I may not like his answer. Hello? Have you ever asked God for something and you didn't like his answer? But guess what? He's God. I'm not. So I don't have to worry about it. But I can trust Him completely. And I can trust Him. to. If I'm open with Him, He is going to be open with me. And I know that He wants the best for me. This mother made this appeal. said, promise me this will happen. And he answered her and he said, You don't know what you're asking. And when he said, You don't know what you're asking, that's when she became aware of who he really was. The awareness about Jesus. She became aware of who he was, and she became aware. I think, now I understand this is my dignified, glorified, undignified, or unglorified. This is my imagination but I can see her. Can you picture this in her mind? She's there on her knee. Her boys are standing behind her and she makes this request and he goes, Mom, you really don't know what you're asking. You really don't know this ultimate sacrifice that's going to be called on. And then he turns to the boys and he says, Boys, are you willing to drink the cup I'm about to drink? Let me tell you, in my mind... I see mom with her mouth dropped open, with her eyes big, and she's going, what have I done? What have I put my boys into? I started off right, but this is going to be tougher, Teddy, than I ever thought. This could cost them their life. I think for the first time in her life, as she knelt before Jesus, she understood who Jesus was and what the cost would be. She became aware that this might not end as well as she thought it was going to end on earth. She became aware that it may require the ultimate sacrifice. And I can imagine that when Jesus turned to the boys and he says, Are you guys able to drink the cup? And they, without even thinking, because Mama was intervening for them, they said, Yes, we are. And Jesus said, You know, you will drink the cup. You will drink the cup because you've chosen to follow me. You know, folks. I wonder today if we're aware, if we're really aware of who Jesus is. In my book, I quoted Billy Graham, and and in pref- and in and in uh, preparation for writing that book, I looked and I tried to find where he said this. Although it's been ascribed to him for the last twenty-five or thirty years, can't find where he said it. But it's been said. That Billy Graham said between seventy and eighty percent of church members are lost. Could it be that that our Christianity has become so cultural that we cultural that we have lost the awareness of who Jesus is, of what Jesus requires of us? Oh, folks, it's more than just coming and taking the preacher by the hand and saying, I want to be saved. It's more than just walking through the baptistry pool. It's more than just being in Sunday school. It's more than being in worship, although all those things are a part of it. It is about a life change. It is about an ultimate sacrifice, an ultimate commitment that we make to him. And do you know why he requires an ultimate commitment to him? Because he gave an ultimate sacrifice for us. You see, we can learn from this mama today because I believe that she sat there and thinking about what she may have gotten her boys into. I can see her face. Because I believe when when who Jesus is really rings in our heart that our reaction can be from surprise to shock. Because he requires more than most of us really care to give. So we've learned these four things. As we've walked down the Scripture, we've seen her teach us about how to approach Jesus, about the right attitude to have toward Jesus, and and how to make that honest appeal, and then how to really allow our hearts to be spoken to, that we become aware of who He is. Now this mother, the mother of James and John, the wife of Zebedee, the lady named Salome. For me personally, I can't prove this. For me personally, I believe that one of the reasons that the evangelist Matthew pinned this in here is this appears to me to be her salvation experience. Because Salome is recorded as having gone to the tomb of Jesus. And that makes me believe that the last lesson that we can learn from this mom is the acceptance of Jesus. Understanding who He is. Understanding what He requires. Understanding what He's done on this side of Calvary. And then receiving Him and accepting Him for a full life here on earth and an eternal life in heaven. What I can learn from a mom are all these lessons. And we can know them in our head. And we can go on our way and do whatever it is that we think we want to do. And you know what will happen? One day, the Bible tells us, and we know by experience, one day we'll die. And the Bible tells us it's appointed to everyone who wants to die. And after that, judgment. You'll either be judged at the great white throne, where all those folks who have never trusted Christ will gather. From there, the one exit will probably be to the left into a place called hell. A place of eternal punishment and torment and pain. A place that is eternally separated from God, love, good, and all those things. Or you'll be judged at the judgment seat of Christ for all of those who've been born again, who've been redeemed, who've trusted Christ, who've accepted Him, will gather. And that exit will probably be to the right. And it'll be where Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, moms... I hope we've all taught this, men and women alike. Because you see, if our children, if our children learn these lessons from us, then they'll fall in love with Jesus. Our children are going to love Jesus, I believe, to the same degree that they see their parents love Jesus. Jesus. Whatever it is you love, they're going to love. If we love our Lord, they'll love Him. If we love our church, they'll love it. If we love ourselves, they'll love that. If we show them Jesus, then they'll fall in love with Jesus. They'll make right decisions. They'll discover purpose in their life, the right purpose. And, I've, and I will just say this to you. The thing that's happening today in our culture is too many of our children, our young people, our teenagers, are getting to the adult age and they don't have a clue about their divine purpose because mom and dad have not instilled in them a love for the one who can give them heads up on what their divine purpose really is. Let us learn these lessons from mom today. And as we've learned from this mom, let let us put them in our lives that we can pass them along and change the life of the next generation in your name.